Welcome. I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 2 Corinthians. Today is episode 488. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 12. Let's read our passage. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this manner. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong, or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. This is Second Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He is sending this letter from Macedonia and sending it via Titus. And as a response to Titus's report to Paul about their response to Paul's tearful letter, we'll see a bigger picture of the tearful letter here in this passage we're looking at today. Paul had sent 1 Corinthians, challenging them on some really bad behaviors, and then Timothy came back to Paul and said, things aren't really much better. So Paul went to Corinth and it didn't go well. There was a blow up. There was big opposition. And and the whole church just fell flat on this. my, My guess is that there was a handful of people basically opposing Paul in a really nasty way. And the rest of the church really didn't do anything about it. And so Paul left and sent his tearful letter challenging them. Now he's basically recounting some of the the details surrounding this letter. Let's jump into it in chapter 7, verse 8. He says, For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. Well, he's talking about the tearful letter. The letter he sent from Ephesus via Titus, challenging them on how they dealt with him, how they received him, how they rejected him, how they opposed him when he was on that quick visit to Corinth. And he laid it out. We don't know the details of the letter other than Paul calls it a tearful letter, a severe letter. Here he says it, it probably grieved them, or it might have grieved them. I think he's thinking it should have grieved them. And so he says, even if it did grieve you, I don't regret it. And then he adds, and if I regretted it, Since I saw that the letter grieved you yet only for a while, I now rejoice. Some of this is translation, and Paul writes in in just a way that uh, isn't the way we would speak today. What he's basically saying here is, yeah, this letter may have hurt your feelings. You may have grieved over this, but I don't regret that I did that. And even if I did, and and the, the implication there is probably, when he sent it, he was regretting that he sent it or that he had to send it. And even if I did, well, I saw that it only grieved you for a little while. 
but now I rejoice. So there may have been some regret when I sent it, but I don't regret it now. And in fact, I now rejoice that I sent it. Not that they were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. So his whole goal here was repentance. He wanted to beat them up. In fact, he made the point that the reason he didn't go when he said he would go is because for him to go, he would have had to really lay some apostleness on him, really drop the hammer. And that's not what he wants to do. He doesn't want to punish people. He wants to lift people up. He doesn't want people to be driven away. He wants people to be brought in. He wants people to be encouraged. He wants people to be living lives for the Lord. And so that's why he didn't go when he said he would go. And now with this letter, his whole goal was repentance. That's where we talked earlier about the whole idea of reconciliation. The goal in things is always reconciliation. Sometimes it's not possible. For those of us who want to follow the Lord, that should always be our goal. The only reason it would not be possible is if the other person will not be reconciled. Let us never be the ones saying we will not be reconciled. Because in the Matthew 18 scenario that Jesus lays out, the person who says I will not be reconciled is the person stiff-arming God and say, I refuse to follow you in this. And the response of the church to that is somebody who basically says, you know, I'm stiff-arming God. I refuse to follow God in this. I refuse to acknowledge the authority of the church in this. That's the person we have to say, well, then you can't be one of us. We're not making a pronouncement on your salvation. We're just saying, we don't view you as one of us since you are not following God here. And so that's the goal. His goal was not punishment. His goal was repentance. He says, for you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. Grieved as God willed. Well, God wants repentance. So this is a grief that leads to repentance. That's this godly grief he refers to a few times here. Grief that leads to repentance. Because when we're called out on our bad behavior, sometimes that hurts. Quite often it hurts. And we really have to honestly evaluate ourselves and see, yeah, I was wrong there. And for some of us more than others, it is very difficult to say, I was wrong. But if we need to repent, that's part of repentance is saying, I was wrong. And there's grief there. That's a godly grief, this recognizing that I was not following God into that behavior. That's godly grief, and that leads to repentance. He says, you were grieved as God willed so that you didn't experience any loss from us. Now, that's kind of not plain in his language there. But he's essentially saying that nothing that Paul did harmed them. Yeah, he wrote them a hard-worded letter that may have caused some grief. But they really weren't harmed because what came out of it was repentance. So you didn't experience loss from us, meaning there's nothing we did that harmed you. Verse 10, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. 
As you've done so often, this contrast between what is spiritual or godly and that which is worldly or fleshly. And so he's contrasting grief here, godly grief and worldly grief. Now, in the part of godly grief, he actually goes back and captures several of the words he used before. Godly grief produces repentance. Well, did verse 9, at the end of verse 9, he talked about being grieved as God willed. That's the godly grief. Produces repentance. He mentioned that back in verse 9. I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you grieved, led to repentance that leads to salvation without regret. He mentioned regret twice. He says, for even if I grieved you, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, so he's picked up the word godly grief, repentance, regret. He adds salvation. So he's bringing all that stuff from eight and nine together here. Godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Worldly grief produces death. And this is part of the contrast that he's led through all along, is that the spirit leads to life. Worldliness leads to death. Godly grief leads to salvation in this verse 10. That was the final output from the godly grief, salvation without regret. Worldly grief produces death. Hopelessness. And verse 11. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. Now he's going to go on and recite what it has produced. So think about it. He's saying, okay, look, yeah, you had some grief here. Godly grief. But look what came out of it. He says, what a desire to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this manner. Now, it's hard to say exactly what he had in mind with these things, but like desire to clear yourselves. I think here he means clear yourself, fix their reputation, because their reputation, as far as Paul and his co-workers and the people up in Macedonia were concerned, is that that Corinthian church was out of sorts. They were unrepentant sinners. So clear themselves. What indignation. This is over the offense. They should be in indignant over what actually happened. What fear? Well, I think that would be fear of being at odds with God. And that's what leads to repentance, is recognizing your behavior is out of healthy relationship with God. What deep longing? I think he's probably referring to longing to have Paul rejoin them. What zeal? Here he could mean zeal for Paul or zeal for the Lord. And I'll mention in a minute that it's very tightly related, those two. And what justice. This is desire to deal with the offender. And then in every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this manner. So it all worked out and you did come around. You did repent. You did show that you're pure. Verse 12. Even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. What he's saying here is, the reason I wrote that tearful letter, it wasn't to justify myself, to prove how right I am. And it wasn't to slam the offender, the one who was the leader of this opposition. It wasn't to prove how wrong he was or to 
exact revenge on him. That wasn't about me and it wasn't about him. It was about the church and that your behavior here was impeding your relationship with God or your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. Now, what do you mean devotion to us? They're supposed to be devoted to God. Well, remember, this is a special case. You really can't draw a parallel to things now because Paul is an apostle, an apostle of the Lord. After they were all gone, there were no others. There were no replacements. So Paul is a direct ambassador from Christ, where we are all ambassadors for Christ, but not to that degree. The apostles had incredible authority, incredible uniqueness in their position. And so to reject an apostle is to essentially reject God. And that's uh, kind of been the theme through this letter here is rejecting me is tantamount to rejecting God. Now I made a comment back there about the repentance that leads to salvation. Yes, when we repent of our sin and ask God to forgive us in faith in Jesus Christ, that we are saved. That's repentance that leads to salvation. He was talking about them as a church repenting of their bad behavior. How does that lead to salvation without regret? You just got to think the way Paul thinks, the way a lot of the biblical writers think when they talk about salvation. When we talk about salvation, the way we generally think about it is I was not saved. Then I did the thing that got me saved. Now I am saved. And that is correct. But that's one way to look at it. The way Paul generally looked at it, it wasn't that, okay, you were not saved. You heard the gospel, responded to the gospel in faith, asked for forgiveness, were forgiven, and you are saved. He can't speak to that. Paul's perspective is not, are you saved, but are you following Christ? John laid out so clearly in 1 John, if you say you're a Christ follower, but you're not following Christ, then you're a liar. And so with Paul, it's never, do you have the label of being a Christian because you accepted the gospel, but are you following Christ right now? And that's the, the challenge here, is for them to not repent would be to deny the power of God in their life, to deny the authority of God in their lives, to deny the truth of the gospel in their lives. And, and that would be to deny their very salvation, meaning, that, okay, they're not saved. And so that's why he uses this language of repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Because the, the whole point when Paul talks about salvation is not, did you do the right thing once upon a time so you now are saved? But are you currently following Christ? Because if you're not, doesn't matter what you did in the past, because you're not acting like a saved person now. So don't say you're saved if you're not following Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 2 Corinthians.